Welcome to the Seeking Hope podcast. I am your host, Shelley Pinamaki. I'm a crisis interventionist. I'm a chaplain. I'm also a child of God. This podcast is going to talk about now what do I do? You've been in a crisis or you've been walking alongside someone in a crisis and it's been some time. There's some healing that's been going on and you're now saying, what do I do with what happened in my life? Is there something I can do to serve God? Is there something I can do to serve my community? Um, but a lot of people kind of just get stuck. This big event took place and it's like, now what? Now what do I do? Well, there is one scripture that seems to come to mind all the time and, and it gets thrown out there actually in the middle of crisis. And that's Romans eight twenty eight, which is, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. It's true. It is very true that God is going to use all the things that happen in your life, in this broken world that we live in, and he'll use them for good. But in the midst of that crisis, that's not what you want to hear. That's not what you want to tell someone. Because in that midst, they can't begin to fathom or understand how any of this can be used for good. It's horrible. It's gut-wrenching. It has knocked you completely off your feet. And it's true. It's horrible. It was horrible for me when my sister was murdered. And I couldn't begin to understand how Romans 8.28 could be a promise from God. But it took some time. And once some time has passed, and I like to use the one-year mark. So once a, a year has gone by and you're able to kind of think through things and, and, and look to that, there are a lot of people like myself, that say, what am I going to do with this? I, I need to do something. I need to serve other people. I want to serve God. I want to make sense of what happened. And is there any way that I can prevent it from happening or I can make it easier for somebody? And that's kind of the direction that I took. So it was, it was about a year later when I read Romans 8.28 again and said, okay, God, you tell me that if I love you, that you can turn this into something good. So what is that? And I don't know. So that's what we're going to kind of work on is now what do I do? So what I did is I started praying about it. God, tell me if this, if this scripture is true, you, you got to show me this because I don't know what to do. It's too much for me to even begin to think about. So I just started praying. And I actually started talking to people going, well, what do you, what do you think? What do you think God's trying to tell me? And one of the things that I like to do is if you're seeking wise counsel, biblical wise counsel, you're listening to your sermons, your devotionals, there's going to be a theme that kind of continues to resonate when you've been asking, earnestly seeking God's will. What, it, what do you want me to do, Lord? Is there something that I can do to help me not just survive, but thrive in the midst of this horrible crisis. So that's what I did. Just started seeking God, talking to people that I considered wise counsel, and meditating on what it was needed to happen for my life. And I wanted to help people um, because it 
my sister was murdered, I can't necessarily prevent murder from happening. That's, you know, we can always do a few things here and there to try and lessen the opportunity that that's going to happen, but you can't prevent that. But what can I do? Well, I can help people in the aftermath. And that was the biggest thing that went on in in my family and in the structure and the things that happened was the aftermath, how people talked to us, how we got through it, our feelings and the scope. And we all thought we were going crazy and couldn't sleep at night and the record player would go on and on. And how do we, how do we cope with this? And that's what I started to, to kind of search for and look for. And one of the, the people that I talked with was saying, you know, you need to volunteer maybe in hardships for, ha- for families and what's going on with that. And I said, okay, well, I'll take a look at that then and go down that path. So really it was like, I'm just going to put my foot in front of the other. I'm going to do something. That doesn't mean that that something is going to be the, the end result or what I'm going to end up doing. But if you just start moving, when God opens up a little bit of a window or a door over here, go in, take a peek. If it's not the right direction, and if you're truly asking to have God determine your steps so that you can follow the path that he has set out for you, and to use this tragic incident to make something better, to make Romans eight twenty eight true in your life, then you just got to try. So one of the things that... Uh, I started to do was, uh, like I said, get wise counsel. And so I said, well, how about working with families? I said, okay, I'll give that a try. Let me, let me, let me find out. Let me do some investigation. And at our church, we had something called safe families. And it's an organization that, that helps families out when the kids are going to be taken away, um, through a foster care system or something else, or they don't, meet the qualifications for them to be taken away to go to foster care, but they really need some support and some help. So I thought, okay, I'll take a look at that. And as I was going through that process and looking at safe families, I realized that, well, this is all really good. And I, and I think this is a wise thing and and it's got some good things happening with it. I realized that I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the knowledge to, to help some of these moms and dads that were in crisis and even if we took their kids for a little while and, and for a couple of weeks and babysat them while they could get their life together, how was I going to communicate? And so I decided that I would become a biblical counselor. So from Safe Families, it took me into biblical counseling. And so I ended up becoming, um, it took almost a year to become a biblical counselor at our church. And that drew me farther than Safe Families. And God was really speaking to me. So I said, well, I'm going to have to go back and say, you know what? I want to be a part of Safe Families, but I can't run it. I can't be the head of that ministry. And so I stepped down from Safe Families and I went into biblical counseling. And that was good, but there was still something missing for me. And I said, Lord, what is it? And he says, well, God really kind of directed me towards crisis because that's what I had experienced before. And I knew that very well and how people respond. And so I'm like, well... Lord, what should I do now? And there was an organization uh, called TIP, which was the Trauma Intervention Program. And I said, oh, I got to take a look at this. Uh, It's an organization that walks alongside people. It's called by first responders to walk alongside people in their very worst hour. So if someone is having a heart attack at home and 
maybe doesn't look like they're going to make it or it's, the family is falling apart and they really can't even get, even get information from them, they will call TIP and uh, they uh, volunteers come out and just walk alongside those families, those survivors of whatever's happening in that their life. Um, and I thought, well, this is right up my alley. This is what I do. This, I mean, I get right on the cusp, being in the midst of that. If there was just someone there to say, you know what, we're going to walk you through this. Here are some things that are going to happen. And just pre-warn you about a crisis and what's going to happen, whether it's with law enforcement or it's, you know, fire department or, you know, the judicial system or hospitals. But, you know, what are your rights? What do you, what can you ask for? What are you not going to get? And so that's what TIP did. And I fell in love with the program and went into went into TIP. And I've been with them now for years. I actually uh, not only go on scene, but I also dispatch for them. So I actually call the volunteers up in the middle of the night, uh, three o'clock in the morning and said, hey, someone's just been in a car accident and it doesn't look like they're going to survive. And the family is totally distraught. Can you go and be with them. And we go and we walk alongside them for those first few hours. So I got involved with TIP and God was really going, this is this is what I want you to do, Shelley. I want you to do this. There is some um, things that you can do as a TIP volunteer and there's some things that you can't do as a TIP volunteer. And, and one of those is pray. And even when someone asked me to pray, I, I couldn't do that. And I loved the program and felt so solid about it, but I felt there was still that little bit that was missing, that where was the connection with the spiritual? So I continued to look and I found chaplaincy and I ended up becoming a crisis chaplain. So now I've gone from wanting to find something, anything that I could do to help to finding a, a safe families, which is wonderful and still involved with that, um, to becoming a biblical counselor and helping people and went from that to being a tip volunteer and still involved in all of those. But then I became a chaplain and I really focused on law enforcement. One of the things that happened in, um, in our situation with law enforcement was that, um, I was privy to a law enforcement person that, uh, showed up at the scene. We, I was not at the scene, of course, but that he ended up testifying in the trial. And my heart just wrenched for him because he felt so bad that this happened. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't do anything differently. And his wife was sitting in the gallery where we were as the family. And she was just in tears. And I thought, oh my gosh, this law enforcement, this family is been touched in such a tragic way over our tragedy over our crisis and I thought you know what they need some support and it's it's got to be a unique situation so I chose to become a chaplain and actually specialize in law enforcement and once I did that it this this whole world opened up and and chaplaincy is hard particularly in law enforcement they've got their own culture their own way of dealing things but I was able to to come in there and now after a couple of years now um, really become a part of that system and am there for support. And I get to help civilians when I'm in uniform and I'm riding along with them and doing the, the work of serving the community. And I guess also get to help civilians at the same time. 
in helping them do their job as law enforcement. So it's like, wow, this is amazing. But I realized how ill-prepared we are as a human race to deal with crisis. It's not something that's talked about. It's not something that we build resiliency towards. And I'm thinking, well, how, how can we do that? And I would see people come up trying to offer comfort, just like many people came up to our family and tried to offer us comfort. But the words they chose to use were painful. It's like, are you okay? Oh, you're going to get through this. It's Everything's going to be all right. No, it's not going to be all right. And so I realized, well, if we knew more about what to say and what not to say, that would be helpful. And so I was looking at what do I do? What do I do? And so I've, you know, run through this gamut now, right? I've, I've searched out, I've listened for God. I started say families that didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to, although we're still involved. And then I became a biblical counselor and then I was a tip volunteer and now I'm a chaplain. And I kept thinking, wow, I'm doing this work, but is there something else, God, that we can, that can help people? Just the everyday average person, because not everybody wants to become a chaplain. A, it takes a long time. B, it's, you know, it's a lot of volunteer hours and not everybody needs to be at that level of certification just to help their neighbor, just to help their coworker. And wouldn't it be great if there was a system that taught just the average Joe how to walk alongside somebody? And that's where Seeking Hope came from. But this has been a five year process that I have been going through to try and figure it out, but I had to do something. And that was my, now what do I do? Well, I'm gonna go help people. But I needed then to go, well, how can I, I can't help everybody, I'm only one person. But maybe if I can teach people how to care for each other, that that might be the way to go. And so I spent the last three years really working and building curriculums and ideas and and testing it out and and providing free resources and classes. And it just warmed my heart. And that was part of the other thing is find something that really nurtures you. That you're feeling God talking back to you going, this is where I want you to be. This is how I want you to serve the kingdom. And I am excited. I am thrilled whenever I get to go and speak and talk about how to care for people. And it just... It's, it knows that that's what I'm supposed to do. And when you are blessed with that abundantly, you have to listen. And sometimes God is kind of quiet as he's pushing along. And that's kind of how I went through all five of those different organizations and those volunteering to try and come up with where I needed to be. But you just have to step out. So now what do you do? Step out. If you've been through it at least a year and you've got some time, but this is really nagging at you and God's speaking to your heart, just step out. If it's not the right thing, you're going to learn a bunch and then God's going to redirect you. But he's not going to put you in the middle of the very end thing that he wants you to do without preparing you and teaching you along the way. And so that's that's what happened. And, and after a lot of prayer, I just continue to move forward. And he said, teach my people, show them how to care for one another. This world is broken and it's about a a me generation. And I got to take care of myself and I got to do this. And God's saying, no, you got to do it with me. And sometimes we need that, those resources that show us how to do a crisis with God, how to walk alongside someone and offer them hope without 
it derailing everything else in their life. So that's where actually Seeking Hope came from. But it's been a long journey. You know, my sister um, was murdered back in 2011. And, you know, now it's been, you know, eight years later, nine years. And I'm finally at a point where it's like, this is what God has truly called me to do. And, you know, I originally had one that was called uh, Christian Crisis Care. But it, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. And God was going, you're almost there, Shelly. Just keep going. I am keep nudging you. I am keep pushing you. And then Seeking Hope was born. And it's where I've come home. This is what God's called me to do. But I had to step out first. And so try anything. If you are in a situation and your spouse has died from cancer, maybe there's a cancer support group. Maybe there is a cancer. But you have to go through that process to get to the other side where you then can help someone else. You don't automatically get to be the support liaison. You you have to go through the support groups. You have to do things. And it's just taking that first step out there, being willing to talk about your story, how painful it was, what had happened to you during that time frame, what was the incident that was so horrific. I mean, those were great organizations came from was like mad. You know, that came from moms being sick and tired of their kids and people that they love dying from drunk driving. That it, That's where it happened. And so organizations are built out of that every single day. We've got so many nonprofits and so many things out there. Find one, one that works for you, you think appeals to you. Ask for God's blessing on that and then go and try. And if it's not, God's going to redirect you. You don't have to pick it right the first time. You know, very seldom do we ever get that over the head, you know, epiphany moment that says, this is what you're going to do and this is what it's going to be. There's a lot of steps and a lot of gaps in the middle of all of that. And that's what I kind of found out. So, you know, start with an emotional support teams. Maybe maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe it's if you want to walk alongside people, get the education, get the understanding, volunteer in some of these organizations that'll help with that. But maybe right in your own church, maybe right in your own job situation, maybe your HR team, maybe they want to have an emotional support team. Someone's going through cancer. How do you walk alongside them? Someone has had a divorce. Maybe it's in a school situation. You've got little kids that are struggling and you don't know why. If you have an emotional support team, that might be the avenue that you can walk alongside these people and and know how to care for them. And that's, that's what I did is I built a system that you can pick up pieces, whether it's just for you individually or whether you want to build an emotional crisis support team within your place of employment or at your school or at your church. So I've got some resources that can give you some direction in, in trying to build an emotional support team that you can lead up, get the training, understand what it is, and then you can help others. I hope that you found this helpful. Take a look at seekinghope.com. They'll find some additional resources to how you can build an emotional support team with where you are and take care of the people that you care most about. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to giving you another podcast in the very near future.